Well, hello, live stream world. This is the MCU's Bleeding Edge live to, at 9.22 p.m. on Wednesday, 12.29, guys. And uh, we are here to talk about a great new movie, Spider-Man No Way Home, which, by the way, is the first film to cross a billion mark since COVID pandemic started. So this is really reassuring for this theater going people that maybe we'll get back to where we were, you know, prior, not exactly to it, but hopefully prior we'll get a little close to that. But yeah, we'll be talking about the MCU newest film and we're going to have a lot of fun with this. I know a lot of people are waiting to tear it apart. <laughs> Grandmaster. And, uh, you know, a lot of people here are just going to have a lot of fun. So let's get right into this. So, just to kind of introduce everybody, we have a great panel with you tonight. Of course, you've got my co-host, Mr. Jeff S. with us tonight. Uh, true knowledge in the house. Uh, say hi, Jeff. What up? What up? Yeah, yeah. What great. up, Daniel? Woohoo! All right, and then we have also returning with us Mr. Jermaine, who is from the Trekkie Delight. Uh, glad to have you back, Mr. Jermaine. Is your audio working? Yeah, I put it on mute. Sorry uh, about that. Nice <laughs> to be here. Thank you. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Then for the first time on The Bleeding Edge, we have a wonderful guy from SakaarFreeforms.net with us and uh, also from the podcast of champions, Mr. Grandmaster. Welcome, Grandmaster. Uh, thank you. Uh, it's. I think I've been on the show before. Yeah, you were not on the show, we but uh, I'm uh, happy to meet you, Cyber, and uh, happy to go uh, to town on Spider-Man No Way Home. Awesome, awesome. Of course, <laughs> great to have you, Grandmaster. Uh, and sorry if, if you've been on before. This is our first time with you, so it, technically I think it's the first time. So that's what we're going to go with. Anyway, so of course we have returning from the great depths of hell is Mr. Lord Deathman, also from SakaarFreeforms.net and the podcast champions. Welcome, Mr. Lord Deathman. Thank you, Cyber. As you know, no grave is deep enough. <laughs> exactly. Hold yours truly. That being said, um, it's great to be here. Thanks for the invite. Um, always uh, looking forward to talking with you guys. Awesome. Thank you. We're glad to have you. And then also uh, a new guest on our panel who I I don't think has been on before. Jeff? One time. One, one time. time. Okay. So one time she's been on before. First time with me on here, uh, Miss Kat from the GNN Network, uh, who is a staff writer for them. And uh, it's great to have you. Nice to see you, Kat. And nice to meet you. Thanks to have for having me. You know, we're just going to pretend that it's the, the it, this is Cyber's multiverse because you know me and Grandmaster have been on the show before. Just you weren't here, so it's a new multiverse for you. You know. There we go. <laughs> awesome, awesome. So now that we have our multiverses uh, decided here and ready to rock and roll, uh, Mister. On the line. On, yes, on the line. Let's get to start off with guys. I know a lot of people. Just just love us talking about the band, which is coming out, out March for next year. Um, so we're going to do review the uh, the newest, the Batman. Do you have that ready? Ready to rock and roll, sir? Cyber, I'm loving your new hat, man. Thank you. Going to Diamond Days and Ninja Tation Flakes. 
Danny let me see the sign there. Come on in here, Ninja. Yes, here's my Ninja. Dive and Dave's Ninja School. Come on down. What we're going to teach you, I hold up, Lord, and what we're going to teach you in our first episode is a proper stance and a proper kung fu. And uh, you got your Judy chop, all right? You got your karate chop, and you got your ninja chop. Now, what smart thing to do is like uh, when you use a, a judo chopping, you got to say it, uh, you know, for you beginners, you know, like a Judy chop. Because what you don't want to do is like a be a Judy chopping and a kung fu kicking, and there goes your leg. You know, there ain't much hollering for a one legged ninja out there. Right there. Hard as a rock, buddy. Let me show you something. I'll have last time, baby. Don't put it in front of your face. I don't want to hurt you. But you got me? Now, what we're going to do here, we're going to work on the ninja chop. That's what we're going to do. Uh, you go a ninja chop. Well, I, I, well, now see, now sometimes it don't always work for a ninja. You know, but it's, it, it practice uh, makes it perfect. Don't go ninja, nobody. Don't need ninja. All righty? Now, them things there, if I was put them in my pockets, they'd get me for consumer of a daily weapons. They say you got your son fella coming at you out in the trailer park. Regular cannon backer, you say? No, says I. Watch this, people. Yeah, we just rolling through the trailer park. What's that? What's that fella doing? Ninja stars! Right there. That son fella jumps up behind a trailer on you. Oh, I'm sorry about that, Cyber. That must have been technical difficulties, man. I don't know. I mean, uh, I got something mixed up with the Batman trailer, and uh, instead we got uh, Kung Fu Fooey or whatever. I right, probably thought it was the new Sex Snyder movie, movie, but anyway. Did you like that? Uh, did you like that martial arts instructional video? <laughs> I loved it. Is that how you get to dead parents? <laughs> <laughs> Kung Fu Redneck. Yeah, that's what it sounds I don't like. Know, they, I don't know, but that guy had a kid, a skull. Like that was that was like a that was his star. ninja star. Yeah. Ninja star. <laughs> How about the moment when he could he couldn't break the 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 little piece of wood? Like that was. Oh, gold. I thought it was. I thought that was a MacBook Pro. <laughs> <laughs> and don't be ninja anybody that don't need to be ninja. All right, come on now. Anyways, Lord Deathman, that was that was his um that was his interview tape for the uh, Young Avengers. Are you sure it wasn't an audition for the Eternals? <laughs> I'm giving that one to you as a freebie, Jeff. Oh, I know, Lord, I know your stance on oh, Chloe Zhao and you the tickled Eternals. me pink with that, brother. That was nice. That was so solid. I was talking hella smack about the Eternals earlier today on a different show. <laughs> I know you were. <laughs> I was. Believe me. I had to rank. We were doing a ranking of the top ten MCU properties of the year. We had to Not go all the way down and say, you know, ten was our worst. Nine was our, you know, next worst. Eight. Like with all the different movies and shows, it was hard to do. Like it was tough. Bruce Wayne. I'm sorry. I wouldn't be bothering you here, but your people keep telling me you're unavailable. You know, you really could be doing more for this city. family has a history of philanthropy, but as far as I can tell, you're not doing anything. The Riddler is asking for you.
The killer left this for the Batman. Why is he writing to you? You came. I've been trying to reach you. Riddler's latest. It's all about the Waynes. If we don't stand up, no one will. You got a lot of cats. Never think about strays. The bat and the cat. It's got a nice ring. You a new friend of yours? I'm not so sure. I'm just here to unmask the truth about this cesspool we call a city. You're part of this too. Hands up! Stay still! How am I part of this? Oh, you're really not as smart as I thought you were. Bruce Wayne. All these years, you lied to me, Alfred. We all have our scars, Bruce. He's still away. He's involved in this? No, he's not involved. How do you know? Except for Delaney. Who are you under there? What are you hiding? Selena, don't throw your life away. Don't worry, honey. I got nine of them. It can be cruel, poetic, or blind. But when it's denied, it's your violence you may find. Justice. The answer is justice. Come on, vengeance. Let's get into some trouble. Okay. Cyber, I gotta cut you off real quick. That freaking Batman logo at the end is so freaking dope. It's not even funny. It is very nice. It is very nice. So that was the newest trailer, folks, out there in live stream land. And uh, yeah, I mean, we got to see a little bit newer stuff in this trailer. We got to see more with Catwoman and stuff like that. And I, I'm still on the fence with Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman. I'm not a huge fan of hers. I don't think she's the anything that special. I mean, she's okay, so I think she'll do okay, but still, this is one of those movies that just from all the trailers, this movie looks like it's going to be a superb, you know, just film, and it's going to be in a sea, so I can't wait to see it on March 4th, um, but going around the table of these awesome creators here, uh, just give a brief what you thought of that trailer, guys, starting with you, Jermaine. So <clears throat> what I what I realized about this particular trailer, as opposed to the last one that I saw when I was on the show, um, the last one I saw was all action, all like, you know, like we gonna give it to you. Like, you know, like your, your blood braces, your blood is, is pumping. On this one, however, um, we got to see a little bit of uh, the plot line, just a little bit. What I hope I what I hope I don't see when I when I go to the movie. So watch this is I hope I don't see, you know, like the origins of Catwoman. Like I hate I hate that. Just, you know, just get straight to the point. Let me know what's going on. Do they fall in love in this one? Do they not fall in love? I don't know. Let me know. Um, um, but um, I'm, 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 I'm here for it. I'm, I'm appreciative of it, you know seeing Miss Kravitz on there. Um, I do like Miss Kravitz. I mean, you know, she, you know, she got my attention really, really, really quick. Um, she's not the most 
sexy woman. I do agree with you if that's what you were saying earlier. She's not the sexiest woman, but just having her presence there caught my attention. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no, I was referring to her acting, not her looks. She's beautiful, but I, I think her acting is mediocre. Uh, how about you, Jeff? Uh, Jermaine, what are you comparing her to from an attractiveness standpoint? Like, what are we working here? Like, with, um, like... <clears throat> well, no, no, no. Her face is beautiful. She's a beautiful woman. I'm just oh. saying she's, she, does, she doesn't give me sex appeal. Like, oh, I'm just, okay. like, she, she doesn't give me sex appeal. Like I like I like I understood why um, Halle Berry all those years ago. Even though her acting in that movie when she was Catwoman, that was the worst I'd ever oh, seen. Oh, it was terrible. You know, it was almost laughable. You know what I mean? But of course, how the difference is between Halle Berry and between Zoe Kravitz is that Halle Berry can just show her tits and like it's all good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that's all the impact she needs. You know, that's how, that's how she got an Oscar. Yeah, <laughs> man, that's all she needs. You know what I'm saying? Isn't that amazing? It's, it's wonderful how women can do that. But uh, anyways, so yeah, I mean, um, look, what can I say? Like, I mean, if I if I was any more freaking like a shoe in for this Batman movie, I'd I'd be on like I'd be on Batman's dick at this point. You know what I'm saying? Like seriously, like I'm all I'm all in for it, man. I'm telling you right now, I would I'd be willing to bet serious. I'd be willing to bet a hundred dollars right now to anybody. Uh, that this freaking movie is going to kick ass and like seriously be like no joke. Like it's going to be an impactful, like not, it's not just going to be uh, like a, a great action film. It's not just going to be visually stunning and visually, you know, cool. Um, It's going to have dramatic aspects to it too. Um, and it's going to have some really solid acting and performances like Paul Dano as Riddler is going to be like some serious shit. Um, I mean, you can see him already in the trailers. Um, you know, he, just his voice as the Riddler is so powerful. It's so poignant, um, and menacing almost. Um, and, uh, I feel like Honestly, uh, I can talk about the Batman all day, but uh, I feel like Robert Pattinson looks good as hell as Batman. I don't care. Like, he just does. I'm getting used to him as Bruce Wayne. First trailer, I was a little bit weird about it. Over time, I'm starting to kind of, like, get okay with it. He's, he's just a little scrawny, you know, like, and then he's got the longer hair. He, just, he doesn't look like Christian Bale. Um, but, um, overall the Batmobile looks sick. Um, and I love the fact that like, that like Robert Pattinson's Batman is angry all the time. He's fucking pissed. That's great. I love it. It's a really nice change from Chris, from Christian Bale, who was like kind of just relaxed and like whatever and nonchalant and whatnot. Like Robert Pattinson's bad. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like he's stopping dudes. Like he wants to hurt people. I like that, man. You know what I'm saying? Cat knows I, I, I'm all about it when it comes to that kind of stuff. Like, you know, I mean, uh, so I mean, you know, um, it's just, uh, it's very authentic. You know what I'm saying? It's what you would expect from like year two Batman to, for him to be emotionally a little unstable and a little not confident in himself. And, you know, I mean, when they, not in this trailer, but in the second one, when, when he talked about how the bat signal is, is not just like a, a signal but it's like a warning or whatever. Like, 
um man like it's just it, it's just epic um and just lastly some of those scenes in that trailer are like some big like wide open landscape shots where like batman's like flying almost in the air and stuff like that and then catwoman jumps off the building and everything and whatnot and they're huge and they're like epic um you know like uh and and um so there's just a lot going on there very true, very true. And I, I think this is the first trailer to the show, Robert Pattinson Ooh. without a shirt. I did notice that in this trailer. And he did look pretty buff, so I was pretty impressed by that. I, I He looked a little more like Christian Bale uh, in that image, I feel. So that was that was kind of nice to see that at least he put in the effort to get muscular for the role. So moving on to... Go, go ahead, Kat. Well, I was going to say, are we just going to pass over the fact that him as Bruce Wayne looks like Cobblepot from the show Gotham? <laughs> like, he's got so much edge there. He looks, he, he, looks like the, he looks like the non-binary Bruce Wayne. No, if you watch the show Gotham, Penguin, um, Cobblepot, like, these two could be brothers. Okay. Like, they are edgelord extreme. Like, now I do agree with you, though. I love the cinematic shots. Because that also pre- brings you back into the big, like, um, Arkham games. Yeah. Where you got that really great cinematography. And the comics, too, Cat, And the comics. Yeah. Um, but I don't know how I feel about Pattinson as Bruce Wayne. Batman, okay, from the trailers. I don't hate it. Um, but as Bruce Wayne, I'm not getting Bruce Wayne vibes. I feel like he's going to start getting ordered around by like everyone. <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, like I said, he definitely looks like Cobblepot. Like I I would agree. Like, I, I I can see that, especially that one gothy picture in the first trailer of him when it shows him and he's got the long hair. Look made me think of Cobblepot too. Yeah. So like, I would agree with you there. I can only hope that my grass is so edgy that it cuts itself kind of deal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to say about the trailer cat? Well, well, I'm glad that so far we're not going with dead parents. I don't think we need another Batman origin story, which really kind of anytime they say, Hey, we're going to bring a new actor in. I'm always worried that they're going to start. We're like, we've been doing Batman for 60 years now. We already understand that his biggest weakness is dead parents. We know that part of the story. We're ready to done move on. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about them using Catwoman. I feel she's an overdone villain. I feel the same way about her that I feel about Harley Quinn. Good point, Cat. Good point. I love a Margot Robbie Harley Quinn, Harley Quinn, but we've had Halle Berry. We've had Michelle Pfeiffer. Um, if you go back to the TV series, which I grew up on as a kid with Adam West and Eartha Kitt, um, like... I'd rather see them bring in a better villain. They're out there. Who do you think? Oh, who haven't we seen much of in the feet? I mean, honestly, I would like Dr. Freeze to get another shot. I think that they kind of, the Arnold Schwarzenegger Dr. Freeze Mm -hmm. was not his best self. Um, So if you're going that route, um, no, we gotta have we gotta have Arnold, Doctor Freeze back. Yeah, 
Yeah, in, in that case, you have to bring back the 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 bane that says two syllables through the whole movie. Bomb, 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 which was great comic relief, but not Batmany. Um, I mean, we've we've already done Penguin, we've done the Riddler. Bring us in a more depth Scarecrow. Um, get into some of these darker villains. Stay away from the Joker. Stay away from stay away from what we've done before. Like, you want to give us a new Batman? You give us a new Batman, and you make him face some new villains. Clayface. Do you think maybe? Do you think maybe they were yeah. worried that this particular Batman wasn't really going to capture anyone's? attention slash imagination and so they felt they had to give something that was known so that they can then do exactly what you're suggesting for the next movie well i mean that's never stopped dc before (laughs) Um, (laughs) sorry me and dc movies are a little bit we we don't always see it along we don't always see eye to eye um, honestly, if you don't, if you don't mind, Cat Jermaine, honestly, I think it's more of a situation where uh, uh, timing and the lore of working on a Batman film is very attractive to actors and actresses. Like, why wouldn't you want to go work and be on a Batman film? You know what I'm saying? Like, Colin Farrell, I think, like, put himself out there to be the Penguin. Like he, like he yeah. came to them. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, I think if anything. I mean, like, um, hey, the Batman's the Batman. Like, people freaking love Batman. So, I mean, at that point, I think probably um, they didn't have to work too hard to, like, put that roster together. Well, Batman's kind of like pizza. When it's good, it's really good. When it's bad, it's still pretty good. Yeah. I mean, say what you want about Batman and Robin and Bat Nipples and all that. And for the campiness that that film was... It was still a good Batman film. It just didn't fit into the genre of Batman that people wanted at that time. At the time, I think people would have preferred something more like the Christian Bale, Dark Knight type Batman. Rather than the campy Batman we got with Dr. Freeze and Uma Therma as Poison Ivy. So you think basically that Pattinson is going to give us a Bruce Wayne that is going to be the equivalent of like a fake orgasm? No, I, I don't. I'm. I have my concerns with that. Um, Bruce Wayne is a wet towel, maybe, but um, because he just—he's not striking me from from Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne is a very strong, confident, even when his confidence is shaken, character. And you're giving me Cobblepot. Thank you, uh, Jeff. Did you have something else today you had to say? Well, yeah, Jermaine, man. You see what you're going to be looking at, looking at tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, man. It's going to be your 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 friends over there on on Trekkers Delight are going to think I'm fucking nuts. Um, <laughs> but anyways, um, but no, Cat uh, makes a really good point with Catwoman. Um, uh, I kind of feel like the, I'm not saying that they overstretched that by, by adding Catwoman to the to the to the roster or whatever. I like Catwoman as a character. I think that honestly, I think that Zoe Kravitz is probably going to be a better Catwoman than Holly Berry was. Uh, I do. She already looks better. Um, who knows? Like maybe she'll be a good addition to like the the movie. I don't know, but um, I feel like it. I don't want to say that it was unnecessary for them to to add that dynamic to the movie. We'll see. 
I mean, I'm just wondering kind of, I think the same thing Kat's probably thinking, which is like, how is, how is the, 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 the spacing going to work? How is the, the flow, like the dynamic going to work with all these different characters? How's it going to work with Catwoman? How's she going to fit? Thank you, Joe. All right. So moving on to Lord Death Man. What were your thoughts on that trailer, sir? I like the trailer. I do think as a piece of marketing, how I always treat these kinds of things, it is advertising. They're probably going a little too far with story beats for me. Um, I felt like a lot of the story was there in that trailer in terms of the Riddler's whole serial killer type shtick and um, how Batman and Catwoman are going to have to get together to sort of take him down. So maybe they're just giving a little bit away, a little bit too much away from me in the trailer. But um. As far as the movie goes, um, I, I have to confess to being in a place where I'm kind of fatigued by Batman. And I love Batman. Uh, uh, he indeed is like pizza. Even a cold slice is, is going to you know hit the spot. But at this particular moment in, in my fandom journey, I, I was feeling a bit fatigued. So I'm not really interested in the, in the, in the Batman that Pattinson is creating here, which is kind of the sociopath punching Batman. I like my Batman a little smoother, more precise, the the master strategist who's thinking a couple of steps ahead of you, so forth and so on. But obviously this is an earlier, less refined version. And, and you know, that's what they're going for here. Um, putting that aside, my differences with the creative direction, I have to say that the one thing that this film really, really has going for it is it looks as atmospheric as hell. I mean, he is definitely creating a consistent, suffocating tension in the camera work. Uh, it just looks beautiful. And if there's no other reason for you to see it besides the incredible um, uh, sort of behind-the-scenes stories I heard between Pattinson and, <laughs> and Kravitz, uh, I heard some wild stuff went on between the two of them. If there's no other reason for you to see it, it's really because Matt Reeves is obviously a master director and he's creating an incredible mood of noir with this Batman, which is fresh and it feels really new. But as for all of the elements, they're taking a lot of stuff we're familiar with, with Batman fans and putting it into the blender, remixing it. You guys talked a lot about Kravitz as Catwoman. I mean, I too have to say that I find her on the weaker side as an actress um, you know, if you're kind of getting up the stairs of the years, then you know that her mom is really where it's at. <laughs> Check out Angel Heart <laughs> if you haven't already. Um, but she's got some big shoes to fill. I mean, even if you're just talking Anne Hathaway, I mean, there's Michelle Pfeiffer, there's Eartha Kitt. There's, there is a legacy of cat women putting aside Halle Berry that um, I'm not sure that Kravitz can kind of step into seamlessly. Her, she seems a little flat in the trailers, uh, to be honest. And, um, and you know, Pattinson, um, he's doing his My Chemical Romance thing. Um, I get it. You, you know, uh, <laughs> I, it's going to be an edgier dude. And, and um, there's not going to be much Lord dialogue. Batman, can you explain to me? Can someone explain to me? Why does he have to have fucking makeup on or whatever? Like, what is the deal? <laughs> the like, eye black? Well, does, that, does, does that help? Does that help like during combat? No, well, the, that's so that like he doesn't cut his eyes when he starts to cry. <laughs> it softens his tears. It softens the emo. 
Okay. Yeah. You look at this guy in the trailer and you're like, he's got a lot of problems. Uh, <laughs> you want to give him a sandwich and, and a hug. But, yeah, I'm um, a hard one. I love it. I love it. Yeah. But hey, look, um, that's the character he's creating. I'll be ready to judge that when I see it in the theater. So overall, good trailer. I'm still excited for the film if I'm feeling a little bit fatigued with Batman in, in media in general. And I think Matt Reeves and the rest of the cast and crew are going to do a great job. Thank you, Lord Deathman. That was very uh, Lord Deathman-y. All right. <laughs> I so, do have to agree with Herbert Oliver's statement, though. Brute Wayne. Yeah, That's yeah. Very much so. All right. To conclude this Batman trailer reaction, we have our Grandmaster to hear from. So, Grandmaster, what did you think about the trailer, sir? Um, trailer looks fine to me. Uh, it's a Batman movie. I've seen it before. Um, and nothing new. I mean, yeah, new Batman, new actors playing familiar characters. Um, uh, yeah, I don't need it, this movie. Uh, oh, man. I've seen enough Batman to last me a lifetime. But I'm going to see it. I'm probably going to enjoy it. It's probably going to be good. Um, no doubt about it. There's a massive talent uh, behind the camera and in front of the camera. Uh, yeah, it, it, it didn't make me feel uh, excited or anything to go watch this movie. Uh, I will still see it. But um, yeah, it, it reminded me a lot of uh, the Nolan movies, the feel of it, um, which I'm not a real big fan of. Um, it fits the character of Batman, that tone, that vibe. Um, but yeah, I grew up with the Adam West show, and, uh, and uh, he always will be Batman for me. And I, I, yeah, I love that show. And uh, it, it was made a more uh, com comical vibe to it. And yeah, uh, uh, I like that more. Uh, I like to laugh while watch a movie. I like to have fun. And that seems to be a little bit hard with Batman these days to have fun with the movie. Very true, very true. I mean, uh, you know, the Adam West, Burt Ward, you know, genre of Batman, which was in the 60s, was really fantastic. I mean, Burgess Meredith as the Penguin was fantastic. Cesar Romero as the Joker. Uh, yeah, Frank Gorshin as the Riddler. You know, that was a they, fantastic show. They were not ashamed of the source material. And mm -hmm. uh, the, the later, of course, the source material changed into this brooding dark uh type of character and uh yeah people dig that and you know uh good for them it's just not my thing yeah i, I, I like Grandmaster a little um lynch me for this if you're if you have to but honestly one of the most enjoyable batman movies for me was um batman and robin because it brought that camp back to it um, yeah. you know, it, and that, it had an amazing soundtrack. I mean, well, I have the same thing for Batman 89. I mean, um, mm -hmm. I mean, Jack Nicholson is the Joker. You cannot top that. No, no, no matter who you put in that role, Jack Nicholson will always be the Joker for me. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, that also had an amazing soundtrack, by the way, uh, that movie. Um, so yeah, uh, I rather have that kind of stuff than what they've been doing in the late last 15 years. Uh, they even applied this tone <laughs> and vibe to, uh, to Superman. 
Yeah, I would. I agree there, Herbert. I would agree. Yeah, let's the Zach Powell bubble with all the movies. That would be great. That would be fantastic. Yeah, exactly. Then, then, then that's how the comics were history. back in that time. So, so yeah. So that's great, guys. Thanks for that. Talking about that awesome trailer that we just watched. Uh, so now we're going to proceed into Spider-Man: No Way Home. So, if Jeff, if you have those trailers ready, so that we can get psyched about this and talk about Spider-Man. Most definitely. Oh, look at this. This is a good one. Some suggest that Parker's powers include the male spider's ability to hypnotize females. Stop. Come on. <laughs> yes, my spider lord. <laughs> Can we just, like, stay up here all day? It is so crazy down there. That's right, folks. Spider-Man is, in fact, Peter Parker. Listen, I did not kill Mysterio. The drones did. The drones that are yours. Does any part of you feel relieved about all this? What do you mean? Now that everybody knows, you don't really have to hide or lie to people. For the record, I never wanted to lie to you. But how do you tell someone that you're Spider-Man? Now everybody knows. But this isn't about me. This is hurting a lot of people. I've just been thinking about how to fix all of this. So, Peter. What do I owe the pleasure? I'm sorry to bother you, sir. Please, we saved half the universe together. I think we're beyond you calling me, sir. Okay, Steven. That feels weird, but I'll allow it. When Mysterio revealed my identity, my entire life got screwed up. I was wondering if maybe you could make it so that he never did. Strange. Don't cast that spell. It's too dangerous. Fine. I won't. entire world is about to forget that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Wait, everyone? Can't some people still know? That's not how the spell works. So MJ's gonna forget about everything we've ever been through? Stop tampering with the spell. Oh my god, Ned, he's my best friend. Oh, my Aunt May should really be Stop talking. <laughs> what just happened? tampered with the stability of space-time. Multiverse is a concept about which we know frighteningly little. The problem is you trying to live two different lives. The longer you do it, the more dangerous it becomes. <laughs> Be careful what you wish for, Parker. Hello, Peter. Ever since I got bit by that spider, I've only had one week where my life has felt normal. That was when you found out.
botched that spell where you wanted everyone to forget the Peter Parker Spider-Man. We started getting some visitors. From every universe. Hello, Peter. You're not Peter Parker. I'm sorry, what was your name again? Dr. Otto Octavius. <laughs> Wait, no, seriously, what's your actual name? There are others out there. We need to send them back. So, Scooby-Doo this crap. You know, all this is kind of your mess. I know a couple of magic words myself, starting with the word please. Please, Scooby-Doo this crap. You're flying out into the darkness to fight ghosts. What do you mean? They all die fighting Spider-Man. It's their fate. I'm sorry, kid. Yeah, me too. Don't. Look, there has to be another way. There isn't. They're a danger to our universe. You're not gonna take this away from me. Peter. You're struggling. You want while the world tries to make you choose. This is all my fault. I can't save everyone. They're starting to come through, and I can't stop them. December 17th, exclusively at movie theaters. Tickets on sale November 29th. Spider Monday. Woohoo! All right, so we just enjoyed the two trailers of Spider-Man No Way Home. Let's get right into this. So this movie is something that was a huge, huge Huge anticipation for a lot of MCU fans uh, since they knew that it was coming out. Uh, when the first trailer dropped, I mean, I'm sure it, people went ape, you know, AB crazy and stuff like that. And I remember people just being like, oh my God, the Spider-Man trailer finally came out. Blah, blah. So with that, it was just a really fun and, you know, uh, very exciting trailers, I feel. So, so basically this movie starts off right where uh, Far From Home ends. We get that post credit scene, sh shows Jojo, J. Jo ah, J. Jonah Jameson popping up on the screen saying, Peter Parker is Spider-Man. So basically that's where this movie starts off. And all of a sudden people start going crazy, like, oh my god, they see him and stuff like that, and you know... Peter is, is swinging along with MJ, and he's trying to get out there. They have kind of like a huge confrontation going around, people following him, helicopters, all that kind of stuff, finally until they get to the apartment building where Aunt May lives. And they go inside, and Peter, for some reason, loses his spider suit and is topless pretty much this whole scene. And, you know, and so he's, like, talking, and he like he's, like, doing all the funny things and, like, take, closing down the blinds and stuff like that, and then, you know. And that's when we get all of a sudden... 
Uh, they get interrogated. We get this, you know, great scene where they're like, you know, the drones actually killed Quentin Beck. You know, we kind of had that brief audio of Quentin Beck, you know, right at the beginning too there when we start right off from far from home. And they go through all this process and stuff like that. And all of a sudden he goes back to the apartment and who ends up showing up? None other than Charlie Cox, a.k.a. Daredevil. Ooh, so my first question for you guys is what were your thoughts when you saw this awesome cameo? And right at the beginning of the film, too, that was my, the biggest fun thing, I think, is that it was right off the bat. I mean, it was probably like 20 minutes in that we got this cameo. So what were your guys' thoughts? Were you happy to see him back? Did you think it was it, you know, progressed the film very well? Do you, what were your thoughts on that? Uh, let's start with you, Grandmaster. Um, it was cool, I guess. Um, like a lot of things in Spider-Man No Way Home were cool, I guess. Um, yeah, with him showing up in No Way Home and um, Vincent D'Onofrio showing up in the Hawkeye show, uh, at least bringing the actors back uh, that played those characters very well in the Netflix shows. Uh, we have to wait and see if they will acknowledge those shows in, in, in the MCU going forward. But uh let's not have that debate right now um yeah charlie cox is a great matt murdoch uh I, he's great as daredevil uh i'm actually a little bit disappointed it didn't pay off further in the movie um i, I would love to have seen daredevil but uh well i have my hopes up for she hulk coming up uh they need the lawyers in that show so we'll probably see him there yep so do you think it was they did this cameo to kind of like basically get us riled up for She-Hulk. Maybe. Uh, knowing Marvel, they never do uh, stuff uh, just uh, to do stuff. Although that is definitely the case in this movie. Uh, but we'll get to that later. Um, the, yeah. Maybe. Uh, it wasn't really clear uh, why he was there, but I expect him to show up in She-Hulk. Let's just leave it at that. All right. Thank you. How about you, Lord Deathman? Well, I don't want to rain on anybody's parade, but there wasn't much for me to take away as far as seeing Matt Murdock in that scene. And as much as I don't want to cry sour grapes, this particular film was hit so hard by the greedy cult clutches of, of spoiler culture that um, I knew about that before I went into the theater, right? So I, I kind of felt numb <laughs> seeing Matt Murdock there because it wasn't a surprise because I knew about two thirds of the story at this point or 80%. There, there was legitimately only one plot development in that entire movie that hadn't been unearthed by the, the fine folks who run spoiler culture today in the fandom. So, you know, where I had to get a takeaway about seeing Matt Murdock was really with um, thinking about him being in the future, getting excited for seeing him in things like She-Hulk and that Daredevil, you know, we're going to have a proper Daredevil that we all agreed almost universally was cool, is going to be in the MCU officially and, and there's potential there. But, you know, <laughs> seeing him at the table there was kind of like, oh, that happened. All Just right. like they said it would. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I yeah. I, cancer or the that culture of you know the spoiler uh, you know 
windmill basically going on and that's a huge thing these days and you know the internet is just all you know huge on that and so i know a lot of people hate that uh you know aspect that people do that and they spoil movies for people because a lot of people like to be surprised and stuff like that and you know i personally it doesn't bother me i you know because i actually half the time forget when people tell me spoilers so (laughs) i'm good i'm good to go you're lucky you're lucky that way cyber and you know what i'm finding myself increasingly in the minority like nobody really wants to go into a movie not knowing the whole plot of it these days and um you know uh, i i guess i come from a different era (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we all do. We're all in the multiverses, you know. So we're all we're all from pl- crazy places, especially you from hell, you know. So, <laughs> so you're really from a really crazy place, you know. So, all Sorry, right, everybody burns. Oh my goodness! Spoiler. I'm, I'm just glad. I'm just glad that when my time comes, I, I know I'll be able to kick it and fucking chill with Lord Deathman <laughs> downstairs. You feel me? That is true. <laughs> me, me and Lord Deathman will be will be will be jamming out. Listen to some band made. Yeah, we'll be getting stoned down there in hell with, with fucking with a fisto. Awesome, Yeah. <laughs> you no, know, Jeff, you're too much of an angel. You will probably go to heaven. Oh, you know what, Keep that to yourself. All right. I don't want. I don't want people to. Know, I don't want anybody to know. Nobody how knows. Good of a guy I actually am. Yeah. Don't ruin his rep, man. Don't ruin his rep. That's right. That's right. That's right. Come on now. Hey, I'm the guy that punches people in the face if I don't like them. Come on. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I guess. <laughs> Seems so sorry. Yeah, sorry. All right. Anyways, moving on. So, Kat, your thoughts, please. All right. So, I am one of these people that, you know, spoilers don't bother me. Um. It, so uh, some of these things I did hear about, but I'm a huge fan of the Marvel franchises. I mean, the, sorry, the Netflix Marvel franchises. I actually like them better than the movies. Um, so the thought that they're actually going to start bringing in possibly some of, you know, your Charlie Cox, you're going to be bringing in some Daredevil. You might be bringing back some Jessica Jones. Um, that kind of excites me because those were good characters. And we don't need an origin movie because they hash that out in the show. So, well, I mean, yeah, it, it'll be money. It'll be money for it. But why drag everybody else through it when you can just bring them in and be like, bam, Insta Avenger. Or better yet, give us a Defenders movie. You know, the Defenders is an amazing comic book line. And I think that's one reason why not only the movie and without too many spoilers, um, this movie, I think, felt a little bit truer to the comics than some of the others have in the past, which is a good thing. But your com and that's what your comic fans are looking for. They're really looking for bringing it back to the story they know and what that story should be. You can multiverse it up all you want if you want to say, oh yeah, the reason it wasn't like this story arc in this comic is because we went multiverse. Comic fans call BS on that. They do it all the time. Um, but yeah, no, seeing Charlie Cox in there definitely gave me hope for what we're going to see in the future. Whether he gets brought in more in the ba- in the Spider-Man franchises or whether we just start to see him defending people across the, the various films and, and shows. I mean, let him be the next Coulson. 
let him show up at everything. Very true, very true. I can see him playing that character most definitely, yeah. especially since, you know, Coulson, we haven't really seen him in anything since, you know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So that's, uh, it, it would be nice to have another Coulson in the universe. That would be fun. Moving on to Jermaine. What are your thoughts, sir, on Matt Murdock? So, look, when I saw him, Grace is good. So I was one of those people who had absolutely no idea that he was going to be there, right? So when I saw him, I was like, oh, shit, like, oh, my God. Like, first thing that I thought was, number one, is he going to be in this movie? No, he's not going to be in this movie any further than that, that scene. But the next thing that I thought was, are they going to bring Daredevil onto Disney Plus, right? Because at one point, you know, that was the whole thing. Like, they were getting rid of all of those, those Marvel um, uh, television shows on Netflix so that they could bring them into Disney Plus. So that's what, you know, that I got excited about that because I'm a lot like Kat. I absolutely loved Daredevil. I loved Luke Cage. I love, I even love, you know, people piss on it, but I love Iron Fist. Like I, like I did, like I really did. Like, yes, it was childish. I get it, <clears throat> but I, like I understood the storyline and it's, Defenders? Oh my God. Oh my God. Like every every ounce of that, like it was like what five, six episodes? Every ounce of that, I was there for it. Mm-hmm. I was there for it. So yes, <clears throat> I am anticipating to see much more of Daredevil in whatever capacity, but I'm I'm thinking that it's gonna be on Disney Plus. I have to dispute you there on that. More likely on Hulu. Because those, and here's why, Disney wants to keep their content family friendly. You can't have the Punisher, who's a very R-rated character, on Disney+. Plus. But since Disney owns Hulu, what they'll probably do is bring them to Hulu, just like they did with Hitmonkey and uh, Modoc. Um, yeah, that's, where, that's, that's totally legit, Cat. That is, that's already been rumored pretty heavily that they might go in that direction. And like, honestly, you tell me what you think, but like, I feel like Moon Knight is going to be the barometer for like Marvel yeah. Studios and Kevin Feige. I think that that's going to be their big tell, where they're going to look and see what how Moon Knight does on Disney Plus. Look at the at the you know at the at the critics and the media take on it. You know how it fares, what the fans think. Um, you know, if, if the fans buy it, um, and that will be like the tea leaves for them in terms of what they have to freaking do. Like if they need to do something quickly or what to like, you know, uh, make these characters work authentically, you know, like from the comics and whatnot, you know what I'm saying? I mean, um, but you're right. How the hell, it, it, the idea of the Punisher being on Disney plus is like just pathetic. I mean, if I had kids, I'd let them watch it. But I'm probably yeah, not but that's the, the issue. To... Yeah. That's the issue. Yeah. Uh, if you have uh, the MCU is 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 big, and there's a lot of kids that are fans of the uh, the MCU. Uh, if you're gonna create R-rated content, and I believe they are, uh, so uh, there are is a group of uh, people that follow the MCU that can no longer follow, and. Um, yeah, it's, that's going to hurt your merchandise sales as well. Uh, the kids are not going to buy stuff for things they cannot watch. So um, the, I think that's why Kevin Feige is very careful of going into R-rated uh, content. And I think he will limit that as much as possible. 
Um, well, I agree that some, some characters... Let me ask you a question, if you don't mind. Let me just ask you one question. You do, at the same time, though, you do recognize that there is a place in the MCU, right, for uh, content for, that is more graphic and... Yeah, like, for me as an adult, yes, but uh, I, let me think beyond myself and um, kids... You need to lure those kids in, and if, if uh, new new fans, and uh, if you're gonna have content they cannot watch, which does impact the rest of the universe, uh, you're we're gonna have a little problem to solve. Well, so, Grandmaster, uh, my son's 11 years old, and he's already got a higher body count than Lord Deathman. Yeah, <laughs> that may be true, but uh, there are parents that will uh, uh, not allow their kids to watch R-rated content. And that's something you need to consider as a company. Um, so yeah. I, I really wonder um, if they really, if the R-rated content for the MCU is really going to be big. Uh, Deadpool 3 is going to be in the MCU, I think, and it's going to be R-rated. Um, yeah, I, I agree there are characters that need to be R-rated, um, but I don't think it's going to be a lot. Well, if Black Widow would have been R-rated and there would have been nudity in it, it would have made over a billion dollars. So, you know what I'm saying? And if they had a what-if episode that was like, what if Captain Marvel's top fell off? And all one billion of those dollars would have come from Jeff. Yes. (laughs) That I agree with. The the scene with the most nudity in the MCU is actually in the first 10 minutes of the MCU. That's Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Leslie Bibb waking up in the morning in the Iron Man, in the Tony Stark mansion. Uh, (laughs) They're not going to go that way. That's that's quite obvious. Like a a hypothetical what if, right? Like what if (laughs) Captain Marvel's costume fell off or whatever, and she's nude or whatever, and the Watcher pops up and he's like, play with himself or whatever in the background okay. or something. <laughs> I mean, what if Captain America loses his pants? I mean, you know, either way. So you go, Cap. That's, that's so nice. what else. Oh, yeah, I was talking yeah. about female nudity. I mean, <laughs> uh, male, male nudity has been there a lot. I mean, uh, I think they, uh, every uh, male actor in the in the in the, in the MCU has taken his shirt off at a, at a certain point. So uh, I mean, I'm, I'm equal opportunity here, man. I me mean, too. You know what, Cat? I'm down to. You know what? I'm down to see Captain America just straight up drop his schlong right out there. Like, what up? Uh, I'm afraid Kevin Feige doesn't feel that way. So, and to Grandmaster's point, though, there are certain, and I'm a big fan of the darker comic lines, like The Punisher. I mean, should my parents have let me watch Punisher at the age I watched it? Probably not. Did I watch it because they were like, oh, it's because it's a comic? Yes. Um, But I do. I think that a Punisher storyline is something that like an elementary school child should watch. Probably not. Like, let them build up to that. Let them let Disney keep their happy, friendly, child friendly, family friendly MCU on Disney Plus. As your kids get a little older, bring them over to Hulu. Let let them learn about the Defenders. Let me tell you what's actually happening. What's because I'm a teacher. Let me tell you what's actually happening. Kids find out other. Uh, other kids parents log in information and they're watching whatever it is that they want to yeah. watch anyway the, yeah. you're not doing we're not doing anything to stop them right yeah. it's it, it's still happening i would well, and i'll go back to what my mom did my mom basically i watched whatever i wanted to watch i mm-hmm. watched people having sex at but we had a conversation afterwards 
and you know, I just knew what to say. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, I think it was different too because I mean, same thing, Jermaine. My parents did not censor what I watched. But I also knew if I saw something that I was like, well, I don't think that's cool, I should probably go like talk to someone about it. But at the same time, I also was taught that TV is for entertainment. If it's not coming from a news outlet, it is fictitious. Yeah. That is not the real life. I know that, and I'm not. I'm not naive. I'm just yeah. saying that if you if you run a company like Kevin Feige does, you you still have to consider the official side of things. Right. And 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 um, you're not going to get away with it. It's as simple as that. So um, I I still believe. I think that uh, the R-rated content for the MCU is going to be limited to certain characters and certain shows. They will probably put them on Hulu or Star if you're in other countries yeah. in the US, uh, which is fine. Uh, but uh, I don't think it's going to be mess a massive thing. Personally. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I, I have one note on this, Cyber, before you are. I know you're probably dying to move on. I yes, do think ahead, that Lord. there is room for age-gated content in the MCU. And dumping it on Hulu just seems like an afterthought. And Disney, they're really not the crew that does afterthoughts. You know, it's like they're usually very deliberate. Uh, 20 years ago, more than 20 years ago, there was an imprint of Marvel comic books called Marvel Knights, Knights with a K. Huh. And that imprint was designed to sort of house some of the more edgier graphic content you know with titles with characters like the punisher black widow daredevil and even mainstream characters jumped into the knights imprint for more adult story fare and i think um disney is sorely lacking in their strategy they they, they really need to sort of make some type of an imprint where that that type of fare can go to clearly delineate it on the service and that is actually an I have it from a very reliable source that that is what they're essentially using parts of Hulu for. Yeah. Um, is, Except it's, it's like it's Hulu to get your adult Marvel content and Hulu doesn't yeah. feel like it has anything to do with the MCU brand, you know? Right. Um, but being part of the same company, because it kind of gets down to the whole thing of, I see what Grandmaster says that there's no, as a business, you have to think about your content, right? But until the old white men realize that Disney's turning into a monopoly, they're too busy, too busy like attacking Google and Facebook to notice it. But until they accept that Disney's turning into a monopoly, um, it, they still have that as an option. Just yeah. like, and I think that's where they're testing the waters with some of these shows like Hit Monkey and Modoc to see, hey, is there an audience for it? Which, for the record, Hit Monkey is my spirit animal. Yeah, there's an audience for it. There, there definitely is. They, they just need to refine their strategy around how they're delivering that content. I agree. So moving on. So now that we have that, you know, Murdoch ends up taking care of, you know, basic problems there with what happened with Quentin. And it goes on and they try to live their normal life. But because of him being known as Spider-Man now, it's all over, always being hounded everyone's always like look weird and stuff like that and so you know peter starts feeling the the hate on this and well what can i do about it uh, especially after all three of them get rejected from mit 
So he decides, I'm going to go talk to Doctor Strange. So this is our first appearance of Doctor Strange in the movie. He goes to the New York Sanctum, which is, for some reason, all icy and looks like the Himalayas in there. And, you know, they go. he goes in there and he's talking to Doctor Strange and they have that great kind of little pre quo quo thing. You know, it's like, we saved half the universe together. You can call me. You, you can go beyond Sir. And he's like, okay, Steven. And he's like, oh, that's weird. And he's like, I don't know about that. And that was a really great exchange. And then we get kind of great, uh, uh, you get a little bit of long in there too, you know, and Peter basically asking Doctor Strange, you know, is there anything, you know, you could do to help people forget that I'm, you know, Spider-Man. And, you know, Wong forewarns, you know, Doctor Strange from, you know, basically doing a spell, the forget me spell, because that would be dangerous. And so in that interaction, I don't know if anybody else picked up on it. And this is my next question for you guys. Did it that Wong is currently dream at, at this time in the MCU? So my my first question, or that question there, is what were your thoughts on finding that that Wong is supreme and not Doctor Strange? Uh, starting with you, Jeff. I didn't understand it. Can somebody explain the whole thing to me? Because I, I couldn't figure it out. I didn't get it. Well, it's simple. I mean, Strange was uh, uh, snapped out of existence, and Wong took over. Oh, okay, I get it. So because of the blip and everything and whatnot, like, no. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's logical. Um, did you want me to expound beyond that as far as like that, that whole, that whole scenery? That whole scene. Yes. Yeah. I mean, um, Hey, like, uh, I'm like, I'm all about Dr. Strange. I mean, um, as far as I'm concerned, I think that like, um, if Marvel studios isn't already working out some kind of long-term deal with, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch to keep him around for another 10 years, then they need to like get after it here pretty soon. Because I mean, um, he's going to end up being a key connective piece to a lot of different stuff that's going to be going on in the MCU in the future, going into like phase five and phase six, phase six and everything. Yeah. I mean, Benedict Cumberbatch could play Dr. Strange for another 20 years. He could, if he wanted to. Um, and, uh, so, um, no, I mean, look, I love Dr. Strange. Like I, I love his entire vibe. I, I like his whole dynamic and everything and whatnot. I like the mystic aspect of him and everything. And I feel like he brings an interesting presence, you know? Um, and I like, I like his, um, I like his like, um, like shitty attitude that he has all the time. Like I kind of dig it, you know, like, um, you know, it's funny, you know? Um, and, uh, he's kind of gritty, you know, in a way. Um, but, um, I thought that it was like really cool, like fan service and nostalgia type stuff, like moments, um, having Dr. Strange talk to Peter about the fact that like they did like the whole end game final battle together and everything, you know what I mean? And they fought Thanos in infinity war. You know what I'm saying? Like they've got that history, you know? And I mean, geez, I know it's going to be 2022 soon, but like, a couple of years ago, we had these big movies called Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame. And, um, man, they were really intense. Um, and, like, uh, I'll tell you what. Um, anything that brings me back to that vibe and that energy is positive as far as I'm concerned. And I like the dynamic between Peter and Doctor Strange. There's a natural fit there um, that I like. Thank you. Thank you. How about you, Jermaine? 
Okay, so my thoughts there. All right, so we're talking about Doctor Strange. I actually did not like his performance in this movie, and let me tell you why. I actually like his persnickety nature. I like the fact that he's in your face. He's not going to tell a lie. He's going to tell you some things that might hurt your feelings, right? He didn't really do a whole lot of that in this particular movie, and I get it. It's a Superman movie. He's dealing with someone who's in high school. He, you know, he's dialing it back. I get that. I just miss my my, my Doctor Strange, right? Like, like I don't care who you are. Like, this is what it is. And you know, you know, like there were times when in um in the move in his movie, um, he would have reacted so much faster. In this movie, it was kind of like. I'm not going to react as fast as I, I normally would. So it was like, it was strange. It was strange. It was strange to see him react in this particular way. However, I like, I get it. It's, it's a different movie, right? It's a different tone. Um, and so it, it was just, it was difficult for me to reconcile what I had become to know and understand about um, Dr. Strange and, um, and then seeing him in this particular movie. Overall, though, I still love his performance. I loved his performance. It was just not what I was used to. So what did you think about Wong being the Supreme? I did not like it. However, I thought it was fun. It, it, it made for a funny um, moment. And also, it kind of makes sense because... I just see him doing things like he's just going to fuck shit up like all the time. It doesn't really matter. And it doesn't matter what Wong is going to tell him. Like, and you saw that in this movie, um, he's going to do whatever he wants to do anyway. So it just, it kind of makes sense that, that he would have someone there to kind of like have his back. Basically. Very true. Yeah. Thank you. How about you, Grandmaster? What did you think about Wong being the Supreme or were you shocked? Were you surprised at all? Uh, just like, mm. were you not? Uh, I was surprised, uh, but I'm okay with it. Uh, I mean, it makes sense. Uh, what doesn't make sense is the whole uh, Spider-Man uh, forget thing type of deal. That actually is where the movie uh, 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 makes a major, major, major mistake for me. Um, you tell me, you're telling me that the t two of the most intelligent characters in Marvel universe uh are are doing a, a very hard difficult spell that goes to shit where the whole world <laughs> has to forget where uh who peter parker is when they could have solved it like that within 30 seconds and there would have not been a problem but just let the world forget about mysterio and whatever he said and i know i don't like normally this kind of argument but in this case it really makes sense because you have like peter parker who is very smart he can even freaking do math in a fight in a, in a mirror universe while he's upside down and and win a, a battle against dr strange you have dr strange a former neurosurgeon who's who's an educated man who's brilliant and they don't think of this when they actually start to think about hey why not I let the world forget about Mysterio. It doesn't make sense. And I know why it doesn't make sense because they needed all those cool cameos from villains from the past and all those Spider-Man from the past. We're going to talk about that later. It's basically done for fan service. And it takes away, away from two major characters in the MCU. And I absolutely freaking hate it because they dumb these characters down to a level 
they they should not be dumped down to and um this is the first movie where marvel studio has actually done this kind of stuff uh just to get some cool pictures going on in the rest of the movie and i absolutely hate it well thank you for that thank you for explaining <laughs> how about you lord death man um you know what? I, I kind of share some of Jermaine's opinions and I'm and Grandmaster sort of winning me over to some of his points as well. So I kind of have a uh, I, I don't think I'm a quite as um, salty uh, a, a, about this particular sequence as some fans are when you really look at the logic, because I checked the logic at the door when I went to see this film. Um, you know, uh, begging the panel's uh, indulgence just for a moment. I was watching another film. It seems like really all of the popular holiday films in, in the holiday frame here are really all about nostalgia. You had the Matrix Resurrections, uh, a nostalgic trip back to Kung Fu and simulated realities. You also had Nightmare Alley, which is kind of taking you to um, the film noir of old Hollywood, that kind of thing. And, and you also had Spider-Man, right, which is also a trip down memory lane. So I was like, this is what this film is about. And I, I didn't really look too deeply into the logic about it. But I have to say that Jermaine had an incredible point about just Doctor Strange feeling a bit off. His writing, um, the writing behind the character was, was somehow just not as crisp and as well thought out as it would be in some of the other films where you've seen him. And I don't take anything away from Benedict Cumberpatch, who I, who I think does a good job every time he's on screen playing that character but there was just something about the writing that was just weird about the character especially when you look at the advertising the uh, sony's advertising campaign for this movie which was a train wreck um uh in in the worst possible way but the movie they're they're dying to make you think dr strange is the sixth villain because they're missing a sixth villain in their sinister six but whatever and then in the movie it's kind of softer they're like you, you don't get some of those challenge lines you don't get Wong saying, um, don't cast that spell. Wong is like, all right, do whatever you want. I'm I'm going to the Himalayas. Have fun, boys. But um I I do have to say, I you know, whatever the problems, the, the flaws of the writing were, it's always great to see Peter Parker and Stephen Strange interact just because they have such different personalities and the dynamic, as Jermaine again mentioned, it it's there, right? Like the the banter, the back and forth, um, the, the characters, uh, you know, we're familiar with that. But um, I also agree with Gr Grandmaster. Not a lot of brain power in that particular room when they were trying to figure out how to Scooby-Doo, uh, you know, Peter Parker's little problem there. Um, and, and what they come up with is really all about, you know, promoting the fan service part of the movie, which, again, not salty about it in any way. I had a lot of fun watching this movie. In the moment, it was incredibly th thrilling, a lot of fun. But um, I do think that if you're looking for nostalgia handled a little bit better than Spider-Man No Way Home, you, you might actually want to look at the Matrix Revel Revel uh, Resurrections, um, you know, despite uh, two-thirds of the fandom hating that film. <laughs> Yes, uh, Jeff, you had something you would like to add off of Lord oh. Deathman's response. Yeah, yeah, just that, like, I totally agree. Like, I mean, 
what was the whole amateur hour deal of the whole that that whole scene with the hit with strange not being able to control his spell and everything and whatnot and yeah you know what i'm saying like i mean this guy is capable of doing a lot of like really crazy stuff um but now like he can't even control his own like spells and stuff like that i mean it was just kind of contrived i guess a little bit um and that's a good word for it, Jeff. I'd agree with you. Yeah, it was too simple. You know what I mean? Like, it was like they just got stupid for a minute or whatever, you know? And, like, Grandmaster is right. I mean, they have not really, like, uh, pointed this out or made a big deal out of this really at all with our Peter Parker, the Tom Holland Peter Parker. But he is a genius. Like, he's like a, you know, he's not Reed Richards, you know? But he's like an MIT-level, like, you know, IQ-type person. So He makes uh, some wet fluid. Come on. Yeah, He's smart. Right. Yeah. Very true. Very true. I mean, it's like that scene where, you know, Dr. Strange says, oh, did you talk to the MIT people? It, that same type exactly. of thinking. It, same exactly. thing right there. So, it, you know, that happens, you know. But but just like Grandmaster said, do you understand why they did it? It's to get, you know, it's to play fan service. So how about you, Kat? What were your thoughts? So hear me out on this. So we've got this whole thing that we're kind of like, why would Strange do this? Okay, Strange is a, he is not Betty Crocker. He does not sugarcoat a thing. But he also, being as smart as he is and going through what he went through, he also knows what hubris is and what hubris can do to you. So if the reason he's like, oh, okay, kid, you want to do this? After he's asked him like, hey, this is these are the consequences. He kind of laid it out for him. Like, this can be a problem. And Parker says he still wants to do it. It maybe this is Strange's way of being like, okay, kid, let's let you get these mistakes out of the way now so you can see what happens before you make these same decisions or these same poor choices at a point when it is going to cost something. Because, let's face it, I mean, genius level kid, MIT, you know, smart smart kids, smart kid, doesn't mean he's not going to make a mistake. And if you're Doctor Strange knowing what you went through because of your pride, maybe this is him saying, okay, you know what? We're just going to let the kid do what he thinks he wants to do. Let him figure it out a little bit. And he'll he'll make these mistakes along the way while there are still people here to buffer him from the full repercussions of it. Because let's face it, if it all had gone just completely bad, Strange could have at that point gone back and, and reset it all. If he had to. So it's let the kid have his minute. Like, let's see how this is going to pan out. I don't agree with it. We've told him what his risks are. You know, it's like being a teenager. Like, hey, your parents say, all right, you want to go to this party? Okay, we'll let you go to this party. Let's but, see what happens. I'm, I'm going to just call you out there because this isn't really like a 16-year-old party where there's like vodka jello shots and you're making that no. mistake of this is the multiverse that Strange is giving Peter Parker to sort of have his first time mistake on. And I, right. I'm just, um, I'm not quite there yet with the, with the buy on that. Well, but I think the situation is so strange. Maybe 
maybe Strange did slightly lose control of his spell, which is what resulted in this multiverse action happening. But letting him say something like, rather than, why don't we just have people forget Mephisto existed, and saying, I want people to forget that that's about Spider-Man. By him saying that, it's, well, you know, hey, kid, are you sure you want this to happen? It's going to be everybody. Then midway, you see where Peter Parker all of a sudden starts to rethink it. And he starts interjecting, well, except for this person, and this person, and this person. And yeah, but, but neither of them are, are really thinking it through. Strange is gung-ho to get the spell started, right, without going through the intake process with Peter. And Peter is like, all right, he's casting the thing, but, you know, maybe it's one. Of, it's like War, World of Warcraft. I can kind of change things as I'm going along. Um, it, it really just felt like uh, a little soft, of, <laughs> like it was kind of almost played for slapstick, um, that, that it, it just seemed... Like you, it would be hard to, to make an excuse for it. And I, I respect your opinion there, Kat, 100%. But um, it, it was like one of those things where I had to make the leap in terms of suspension of disbelief to just keep on going with the rest of the film. Grandmaster, Grandmaster, get in there. I get what Kat is saying. And, uh, but yeah, it, it's, if you look at the level of thinking, uh, it just doesn't make sense that they forget to forget Mysterio. I mean, it just doesn't make sense because then the problem is not there and Peter has everything he wants. I mean... And and the stakes are only the multiverse. If this goes, if this spell goes wrong, <laughs> I only break the multiverse, which, which yeah. demands some type of forethought but in the process. I, I'm, I'm usually not a fan of like uh, the writers made a mistake or the writers did that on purpose to get to the next uh scene i mean uh the movie is what the movie is but in this case it really hurts uh, uh both dr strange and peter parker in, in their intelligence level and um uh, i i admit uh i got caught in the moment uh, from the moment i saw matt burdock showing up uh i was like cheering and clapping like the whole movie theater was which rarely happens in my country so I was caught up in the movie as well. But when later when I started to think about it, it yeah, it just totally fell apart. And uh, that is the moment it started to fall apart. And uh, uh, I wouldn't be fair if I didn't address it. But uh, I still like the movie a lot. But uh, Grandmaster, that's actually right around the same time that my plan fell apart. I had, I had tried that whole like hole in the popcorn with my penis up there deal, you know, like with my date. And... You know, it just didn't play. She didn't get to the bottom of the... Of, of the... <laughs> <laughs> Too much popcorn, man. Too much popcorn. Anyways. I could make I could make a joke about women filling up easily. Uh, there was too, much salt. There was too much salt. It, it, it killed my erection. <laughs> well, maybe I'm too salty about this, 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 this particular scene. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be fair if I didn't point it out. It really bugs me, and yeah, uh, I actually blame. Uh, so, yeah, but you know what, Grandmaster? It's Spider Man. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's Spider Man, and like Spider Man can get away with anything. You know what mm. I mean? Like that's just how it is. Like that's how popular he is, and that's how popular Tom Holland is. Like, yeah, he can get away with everything except for graduating high school, apparently. Hey, Tom Holland <laughs> is freaking popular, man. Go on TikTok and look at all the damn like. 
there's there's billions of different women, young, like young girls, older women that are like would throw themselves at Tom Holland in a second. Yeah, if Batman is pizza, Spider Man is ice cream. You know, there's yeah. just just no way getting around to that. Yeah. I'm more All right. Yeah. So moving on. <clears throat> so now that they they tried doing the spell, got messed up. Supposedly, Doctor Strange has concealed it in the box. And, you know, Peter decides they have that conversation like we talked about earlier about you could have just talked to the MIT people. And he ends up going and to it, to stop the MIT lady from leaving so that she can uh, talk, you know, and uh, try to get, you know, Ned and MJ into the MIT and so he gets to the freeway and he stops her and they're talking and, uh, you know, basically that's when all of a sudden we get our first interaction with these former villains. So we get introduced to Doc Doc again, we get introduced to Green Goblet again, uh, and, you know, they have kind of like their battle on the freeway. Because Peter saves her, she basically tells the MIT lady, tells Peter that, yeah, she'll put in a good word for her friends and him so that he can get into him. IT. And so then, you know, then, you know, Dr. Strange pops back up saying that multiverse is going, that things are popping out of the multiverse. And uh, all of a sudden there's, you know, a, another instance where they interact with somebody else. And, you know, we go to this giant sanctum thing again, and that's where they start basically uh, keeping all these, these people from the multiverse in. And we see Lizard, we see Sandman, we see Electro, we see all these different characters now. We've seen, you know, basically bringing almost the Sinister Six into play. And so basically we have this giant scene where all these characters are all involved. We get to re-see all these awesome characters from the previous Spider-Man films. So my thought to you guys is, were you guys happy about the return of all these characters. What were your thoughts on these characters returning? And do you think they did, do you think they were good for the movie or bad for the movie? Uh, pretty much simple, quick, basic uh, question there. So starting uh, with you, Jermaine. It was good for the movie. Simple, basic. Thank I have you. reservations, but it was good for the movie. Awesome. Awesome. How about you, Jeff? Um... Can you can you pose the question all the way through again for me, please? I apologize. What were your thoughts on that whole all the all the villains coming back? Okay, gotcha. Um, I mean, you know, like uh, it was exciting. Um, you know, it was exciting, and um, it was like uh, fan service. You know, like it was definitely fan service that like, uh, you know, up, up the yin yang and um, it was cool. Like, I mean, um, you know, I think that um, they definitely did a good job with the uh, the de-aging or whatever, as far as like having them look just like they did, you know, 13, 15, 17 years ago or whatever. Um, and uh, basically, um I thought that it was sort of, I'm not sure. I, I felt like it was sort of, um, I wasn't sure what direction things were going to go um, at that point. Like I kind of, I kind of went into the Spider-Man film with an idea of like what I thought the movie would be like. 
And then by the time we got to that point and the villains came out and things started to evolve, I really wasn't sure which direction things were going to go or like how things were going to play out. Um, and basically, um, I guess uh, for me, uh, the coolest part of it probably was was Doc Ock. Um, I just love Doc Ock. You know, like uh, I I love the way I I, I um I don't know. Like I mean, obviously I haven't looked and tried to compare it, but I I, I believe that he he looked a lot better with his arms and everything and whatnot with the CGI now than he did years ago. That's probably because they were using they were using more special effects this time around the CGI work versus the practical effects like they did in Spider Man Two, um, but yeah, definitely, definitely, I, I totally oh, agree there. Cyber, hold on one second. Due to inflation, one good girl is now worth one thousand one hundred thirty-two point thirteen bitches. Yes, good to know want- my worth. Just wanted to put that out there. Okay. <laughs> All right. Hey, hey, we don't put any faith in that guy, Cat. He's whatever. <laughs> Definitely. How about you, Grandmaster? Uh, yeah, it was okay. I, uh, of course, it was spoiled already, so I, I knew the role coming in. Um, I was only uh, curious if we were uh, were to see the actual faces of the actors for Sandman and Lizard, uh, which we got in the end. Um, yeah, uh, also there, um, the Electro never knew in The Amazing Spider-Man 2 who uh, Spider-Man was. He never knew that it was Peter Parker. So another mistake, just to bring in some cool pictures. Um, yeah, it was okay. I, I, I ex- actually expected that uh, to happen, and uh, we got it, uh, and it looked cool. Cool. How about but you, Lord Deathman? I thought the return of the classic villains was handled extremely well in this film, like a lot of other things in the film. It was good for the film. It worked, you know, narratively in terms of the story that they were trying to achieve there. And um, I even like some of the tweaks that they made with characters like Dr. Octopus and the Lizard. Doc Ock sort of turning more towards the good guy side. Spoilers if you haven't seen it already. And um, the lizard sort of being a little more funny and trollish, um, kind of taking Spider-Man's traditional trolling role. Uh, the the lizard uh, was pretty cool. Um, but again, like Grandmaster says, um, you know, all that stuff kind of leaked. So my real opportunity to be delighted by it or surprised was kind of, you know, robbed at gunpoint from me. Um, but... You know, just watching it unfold. I really thought the Green Goblin was going to take up a lot of my mind space because that's just such an iconic character. And he was the first one in the Spider-Man films. But I was really surprised at how I was more into Dr. Octopus and the Lizard. They they kind of turned out to be M- MVPs of the Sinister Five for me. Nice, nice. I would agree. They were very, uh, it was very eccentric on them, I feel. I definitely agree there. How about you, Kat? So you can never go wrong with William Defoe as the Green Goblin. And that is such an iconic character, not only from the animated series to the comics. I mean, that's a big part of the Peter Parker story is Green Goblin. So I was really excited to see, I mean, like I said, I already kind of knew, but I really felt they did him justice in this movie. Um, I mean, like, you know, 
Sorry, Jermaine, I'm not going to try and break you, but it's probably going to happen eventually. Um, you know, he looked younger this time around. So I'm just guessing a better plastic surgeon. Like, you know, Beverly Hill, Hills Plastic Surgery Corp <laughs> versus, you know, Hollywood, don't know. But, you know, um, but I also did like the way they brought in the fact that each of these villains had a different Peter Parker or a different Spider-Man, so to speak. So with, um, and I always forget his, his name, Electro? Tobey Maguire. Oh, okay. Electro? That's the the villain's name, right? Okay. For some reason, I was like, shock, but yeah. Um, <clears throat> but the fact that he said, hey, I didn't expect my Spider-Man to be, I thought my Spider-Man was black, alludes to, even though he wasn't in the film, that possibly his multiverse is Miles Morales. Yeah, that's right. Or maybe Garfield uh, put a little extra swagger on it. Maybe, maybe. Yep, yep, yep. I'm a set. If that was was Captain Marvel, if like in that in that shot or whatever, she would be pissed and like and (laughs) and throw a fit and like sue somebody because she'd be like, "I want fair representation with these dicks in my face." I, I, I need, I need at least. 33% 33% African-American dicks and uh, Hispanic dicks and, um, you know, M white. Okay. Diversity. Diversity. Okay. Anyways. So, so basically that giant scene happens and, you know, Peter starts to get sentimental about these guys, you know, having to send them back and stuff like that. And, you know, basically comes up with the idea of we can cure these people so they don't get killed by their Spider-Man's. So you get that, they start to think that up, and then, you know, basically Dr. Strange is like, uh, you know, you had your chance. No, we're just going to send them back. I'm going to squash the spell. And so that's when Peter stills the, uh, you know, the box that the spell is in. And, uh, and so then all of a sudden, you know, they have this gigantic going on, and they go into the mirror dimension. And I think that whole sequence is just really awesome. I love all the effects, just like we got in Doctor Strange, the first Doctor Strange film. We got to see the building, got to see all these cool things going on. And they have this, you know, battle in the thing. And that's where, you know, what Grandmaster was talking about earlier about Peter doing the math in the, you know, mirror realm to basically defeat Doctor Strange and leave him in the mirror dimension. And so they go back out and then they basically, they try curing all the different villains. So they successfully cure Doc Ock, and that's when he kind of starts going more good. And then that's when all of a sudden Green Goblin's, you know, mental state fractures again. And, you know, he goes against Peter, and they, you know, basically end up killing Aunt May. So spoilers out there, people. If you haven't seen it, yes, Aunt May dies in this film. And so that one, that's my next question for you guys. What were you guys' thoughts on them killing off Aunt May? Do you think it was because... Uh, you know, the actress herself didn't want to play the character anymore. Did you think that they did it because because they didn't actually end up killing off, you know, Uncle Ben with an intro with Homecoming? They didn't end up doing that because one thing a lot of people are saying, not another intro story like we're talking about in Batman. And, you know, what were your thoughts on them killing off Aunt May, starting with you, Jeff? D mega doo doo. I'm sorry. <laughs> I 
Anyway, <laughs> digital oh threats. I'm sorry. Oh my god, I can't even help myself. Anyways, <laughs> I told you I get you, Jermaine. Uh, so, anyways, man. Yeah. So, I mean, hey, again, it was contrived. Like, honestly, I think that Marissa Tomei just didn't want to be in the next trilogy. So she was like, Sony, kill me off. You know what I'm saying? I'm done. Like, I heard it. I, it was heavily rumored that she didn't want even want to be in this movie. So, like, I think that they just, like, had to kill her or something. I mean, it didn't do anything for me at all. Um, it was like it was like an Eternals level impact for me, you know? Um, so, you know. Uh, oh, bloody. Yeah, I mean. Uh, the Green Goblin was dope. I mean, he was good. He really was. I mean, like, uh, like Kat said, like, like multiple people have said, Willem Dafoe is like no joke. Like, he is like you know a a quality like, you know, well, you know, uh, multi layer talented actor. I mean, you know, um, I mean, he was doing his own stunts in the movie. He's like yeah. sixty five. He's old enough to be my grandpa. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Well. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, he was good. Um, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I just felt like the whole Aunt May dying thing was just very, like, um, it, it was very run-of-the-mill. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't, like, shocking. I kind of saw it coming, in a way. It made sense. Um, and it wasn't as, like, impactful or emotional or, like, um, you know, or, uh, or powerful to me. As like maybe you know it could have been or something else could have been, um, and kind of for me, not that I'm trying to join the Grandmaster like hate squad or whatever for the movie or whatever at this point, but um, <laughs> kind of at that point, things for me started to kind of go like Shang Chi type direction and shit, like you know for a minute, you know like the you know I mean, uh, but it, it got better again, you know, but um. You know, um, I mean, the 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 Aunt May dying thing was about as impactful to me as like them like teaming up Ben Kingsley with that fucking ass faced like creature and shit during Shang Chi. Okay, how about you, Jermaine? I totally disagree. <laughs> I totally disagree. <laughs> Look, okay, so I do agree that I saw it coming. Right. I saw it coming. Like I, I knew it was going to happen. And I was actually appreciative uh cyber. Um, I was I was I was appreciative of the fact that they didn't do what they did with uh, with other movies. Right. So there was no like no origin. Well, there kind of was. But <clears throat> no one died. Right. They saved have, it. They saved it for this. Jermaine, moment. How do you have an origin story when you're dead? No, no, no. Listen. So like like for for, for everyone else, well, for most for most other Spider-Man, it was like someone died and that then that changed their trajectory, yada yada yada. <clears throat> I was I was glad that that didn't happen um in the original you know, this ori- original Spider-Man. And for them to wait until now for her to die. And then so what that then sets up is the the interplay between the other two Sp- Spider-Mans, right? Spider-Man um 2 and Spider-Man 3. Um and they got to tell their story and they were kind of like comparing notes. And that was an, that was an emotional scene, which led into when MJ was about to fall, was, was falling to her death. Right. And Spider-Man number three 
had to end up catching her, right? That took me out. That took me out. It totally took me out because number one, I wasn't expecting it. Wasn't expecting it. And number two, like it is like everything just came full circle with all of these characters. I'm sorry. Jermaine, I'd be taken out too if I drank as much as you do, man. <laughs> I agree there. I agree there, uh, Jermaine. I completely agree. Yeah, that was a good uh, synopsis there, sir. How about you, Kat? So I've got to go in a different direction with this one. So they took out Aunt May. So what are they going to do with the rest of the story? Because throughout the comics, throughout the animated series, Aunt May was kind of his go-to as she got older. So now you've taken out Aunt May at like 35. And, you know... (laughs) No, Aunt May's got to be... Aunt May is older than me. (laughs) Marissa Tomei is 57 years old, guys. Peter Parker Parker is going to find some like 67-year-old woman and and start hitting it. And replace Aunt May and like have some like crazy relationship with some grandma. You know, a, a threesome, a, a three, a, a throuple, <laughs> a throuple? through the multiverse. But that's what I'm saying though is, did they really think that through? Because where does the story go from here? Does it have to go where maybe, I mean, does it think they're going to have to pull alternate universe Aunt May, like multiverse Aunt May? How is that, how's that going to work? How's that going to affect the other Spider Men? They've got how's, it planned. Cat, they've got it figured out already. So, so many well, I'm sure they have a plan, but it may not be a good one. You know, it's <laughs> that, that's kind of my concern. There is, you know, if it was an actress mm. issue, swap out actresses for another actress. Like, like it, if Versatory didn't want to do it, get a new actress. It but, could ex- it could explain why Doctor Strange was handling him with such kid gloves. Could possibly. be possible that Doctor Strange could be his new mentor, but so, still, but possibly. but now we're now they're starting to take and create their own rabbit hole, where they're going to have to create an entire new storybook comic book arc to explain. And bear with me because I haven't read all of the Spider-Man comics. I've read some. I don't recall Aunt May. I mean, I think eventually she does pass of old age. There's a couple but, of runs where Aunt May buys the farm. Uh, Death one Man. moment in time. Yeah. Death Man, would you not agree with me that it's very possible that this new this new rendition of Spider-Man is going to be fighting crime in New York and ca- characters like Matt Murdock, Daredevil, could very well end up being mentor type like friend type characters to him. That's that's completely possible. I don't want to step on Cat's time, but um we have seen Aunt May by the farm a couple of times in the comic books. And the one thing about the MCU that I think people sort of don't get is that there is an opportunity to do things that are different with the characters here and they've done it in plenty of instances with established characters so i i feel like the traditionalist spider-man fans feel like they're naked without their aunt may and you don't have to feel that way what about mj like i mean peter parker without mary jade like without mj like that's just crazy well, yeah, but I still think that we we have, I mean, we saw in the other ones in uh, Lord Death, correct me if I was wrong on this, though, when Aunt May had died in the past, though, 
Peter was already well into his formidable adult years, though, right? Yeah, it's very yeah. true. But it always comes as a as a part of paying the price for something that he did earlier on in the story that was a mistake. That's always the deal. And I think when she dies in one moment in time, it was like, um, you know, in order to save Aunt May, the whole world has to forget that I'm Spider-Man. They might have actually lifted that beat from the one moment in time story for this movie. Um, I thought it was ridiculous when I read it then. And, um, I, I, you know, my opinion of it hasn't changed appreciably yeah. today. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, and just this this early into the the this the Tom Holland Spider-Man, um, it just kind of gives me some pause to be like, did they think this one through? <clears throat> Thank so. you. Great points. How about you, Lord Deathman? Um, that was probably the only move moment in the movie where I was genuinely surprised. <laughs> I was like, okay, they 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 did the Aunt May thing. Like everything else I knew about in the movie, but except for Aunt May dying. Um it I will say that it does seem very contrived in the context of the story, just trying to follow it out logically. But there is a tradition in Spider-Man in the comic books where he will make a mistake like the botch spell or, you know, and then there'll be a big consequence. So if you're like a Spider-Man traditionalist, I could see how this death of Aunt May made perfect sense to you. I don't know whether Marissa Tomei wanted to bail or if she was just expendable. Because, I mean, let's face it, if somebody had to die in this film, it was either going to be Happy or Aunt May. And, you know, whoever could lend a few more dollars to the franchise was probably the one that they'd pick to stay, which is probably John Favreau. But, um, you know, that being saying that being said, I, I kind of appreciated the moment just because it was something that I didn't quite know about from the point of view of, you know, spoiler culture having handed me all the plot points. Very true. Very true. I, I did not know about it either going into it. So I completely agree with you there, Lord Deathman. Uh, how about you, Grandmaster? I'm totally on board with what Jermaine said. Uh, I think uh, I think it actually uh, I, I was surprised it made sense. Um, and I, I, I will go on further than Jermaine. Um, I actually think that the death of Aunt May means more to this Spider-Man than the death of Ben uh, in both previous franchises did to their, their, those Spider-Man because We've seen Aunt May in these in these movies uh, a couple of times, uh, and and uh, that gives a lot more weight to the moment when she dies and when she gives the the famous uh, "With great power comes great responsibility" speech. Uh, it actually hit. It, that actually was the the only scene which emotionally hit me uh, in, in the whole movie. Um, uh, and, and, and I think uh, after thinking it through, like I said, uh, I love the movie when I watched it. I only like it now uh, because uh, there are lots of problems with it, in my view. But this scene remains uh, uh, as, as a great, great, great scene. Uh, that's why I'm into the MCU, these kind of things. And uh, yeah, uh, absolutely amazing scene. And uh, I uh, totally the opposite of Jeff's uh, point of view, but uh, of course I respect Jeff very, uh, a lot for his opinion. So, well, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Grandmaster. I love you too. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're one big happy family. <laughs> All right. Great, great. Thank you for that. So as we move on, so after Aunt May's death, uh, Peter, Tom Holland's Peter, uh, it goes on in sulks, of course, you know, and so um, – Ned and MJ are back at a place, and they're tr- all of a sudden Ned starts to discover that he has the ability to do just what, you know, just like what all the other magic people can do. And so he says, let's find Peter. When he does that, all of a sudden they come across uh, Spider-Man, and they're like, Peter, Peter, comes in through the thing. N- who is it? None other than Andrew Garfield. Holy crap. And then they do it again. Next thing we know, Tobey Maguire pops up. So all those rumors about Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield being in this movie, yeah, and you know that was a huge rumor mill. Came to fruition, which was really great. Glad that it did. I'm glad it wasn't just rumors. And we all of a sudden get this, and we get some great banter between them. They do some science tech together and stuff like that to get ready for the big battle because Green Goblin it wants to you know battle out with the other uh, villains and so forth. And uh, basically, they have this great conversation. You know, they just like everyone was talking about earlier. You know, basically, both Peters kind of tell their story. You know, uh, Andrew Garfield's Peter lost his friend. Tobey Maguire, you know, lost what he's lost. You know, and what he's gone through. He's still supposedly with MJ and all this kind of great stuff. So that will bring us to the actual the final battle where we have this great conversation with them, too, while they're up there waiting on the Street of Liberty. So if you haven't seen Hawkeye either, this kind of plays into Hawkeye a little bit because they're supposed to be happening around the same time because that new Statue of Liberty is being built and redone in Hawkeye as well. So that all interleaks with each other. But back to the you know this awesome scene. So we have this gigantic you know end sequence where they all battle and stuff like that. You know, Electro, he knows, like, he doesn't want to go back. He's trying to make himself different than the previous Electro he played. Uh, But we have this great conversation uh, with the Spider-Mans. They're talking to each other like that. And my last question for you, and this, to basically, you know, finish up this whole film. What did you guys think of that final battle sequence? What did you think about... All that, like, all that transpired in that last whole scene, basically, you know, where, you know, finally everyone does forget who Peter is and basically, you know, who, uh, you know, him basically going on and becoming fully Spider-Man. Because we do realize that at the end of this film, basically what they were trying to do is to make him actually <clears throat> Spider-Man, not Spider-Boy. And that's really what, because he ends up donning the classic blue and red outfit at the very end of this film. So my final question to you guys, like I said, is what did you guys think about all that transpired in that very end sequence? Uh, starting with you, Grandmaster. Uh, thank you. Um, and uh, no offense, but after I've done my part, I'm uh, going to bail out. Uh, it's... Uh... I still need some sleep. It's five o'clock here. Um, well, I uh, must admit, when I saw Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire show up, I couldn't resist uh, but cheering. I knew it was going to happen. Uh, it was heavily rumored. I wasn't too keen on it, uh, as you, you may or may not know. Um, but I must admit, I cheered uh, along with the crowd in the theater when it happened. And... Uh, uh, the moment they all swing around the Statue of Liberty, uh, the three Spider-Man uh, is an iconic shot and uh, something I'm looking forward to revisit. Uh, um, overall, the battle was great. Uh, there were a 
lots of great moments in it. Uh, uh, like you mentioned before, Cyber uh, or Jermaine, I think it was, uh, the Spider-Man tree catching uh, uh, this Peter Parker's MJ, uh, yeah, brought it full circle. Um, Toby Maguire stopping um, Peter from uh, paling, uh, impaling uh, the goblin with the glider, uh, brought that full circle as well, uh, preventing him from living with that. Uh, overall, uh, it was a satisfying uh, end battle for a so-so movie. Um, uh, I was uh, pretty happy with it. Awesome, awesome. Uh, and you said you you wanted to bail out. So how about we yes. send you off then if you would like to bail it. We want to thank you for uh, coming on by. Uh, great to have you on the panel. Of course, you guys can find him on freeformsicars.net. You can also find him on the Podcaster Champions. Uh, usually he's moderating on there. Uh, they do such a great job over there, so definitely go check him out. Wanna, once again, thank you, Grandmaster, and you have a great uh, night sleep. Grandmaster. Grandmaster. Thank you, my brother. Hey, listen, yeah. I'll, be, I'll be there for Boba Fett on Saturday, bro. Okay, we'll see you there. Um, thank you all for uh, indulging my uh, <laughs> rant on uh, this movie, and uh, I wish you a fun evening. Uh, right. Thank you. Next time. Have a good one. You are Happy a good New man, year. Grandmaster. Happy New Year. <clears throat> Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Happy New Year. All right. So moving on to Mr. Lord Death Man, your final thoughts on this final sequence of the film, sir, please. I enjoyed it a lot. The three Spider-Men coming in, even though I sound like a broken record with regards to getting spoiled about this movie, it was still really delightful to kind of see Andrew Garfield do his cocky Spider-Man and Tobey Maguire come in and do his more earnest and endearing Spider-Man and then contrasting that against Tom Holland, who I think does something that's a bit more, uh, uh, you know, adult attention deficit disorder, Spider-Man. Uh, it, it was great to have all those flavors mixed together. And I think they did it exceptionally well. The action sequences towards the end really kind of, I don't know why I was getting an Iron Man three vibe, maybe because the, the scaffolding and there was a lot of jumping off of things and, but still it was really entertaining and whatnot. But um, I would be remiss if I didn't use my wrap-up time to kind of talk about two major problems that I had with the film. Although I enjoyed it overall, and I hold no grudges against the fandom for loving this film all the way up to a billion dollars worth of heat. Um, you know, uh, my, 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 first, uh, my first issue is really about what did this all add up to? So the ending of the film kind of puts us back with Spider-Man getting back to being the lovable loser, joyless Peter Parker that, you know, is going to do the right thing, despite the fact that uh, he has no game, no money. You know, that, that's kind of what the traditionalists want out of Spider-Man. When you read the comic books, it's about a guy who is particularly unlucky, if you think about Peter Parker. And, and I kind of felt weird that we had to go back to that kind of status quo reset for the character because I was really enjoying the Tom Holland that was having a great time being Spider-Man, you know, rejoicing in the in the ability to lift 10 tons straight up into the air and to, to web swing around New York. You know, his life wasn't this joyless, anhedonic, you know, but that's what the fans want. They, they want to see Peter Parker back in a broke down studio apartment, can't make the rent, 
you know, um, having to go to Jameson and, and, and do the whole thing with the photos. Totally getting it, not giving the fans any crap for that. But I am going to miss the, the Tom Holland Spider-Man of the, the first two films. And, um, you know, my, my I guess my only other criticism about this film is really about just the, the overuse and leaning a little too much on the nostalgia um, and, and really being manipulative at times to, to take us back to that place. But it's been a tough two years, I think, for, for everybody based on the public health crisis going on around the world. So maybe we needed a shot of this kind of nostalgia to bring us through. Completely agree. Completely agree. I, I, I understand, you know, a lot of people feel the same way, and I totally get where you're coming from. All right. How about you, Kat? Well, I mean, I didn't get Spider-Pig, which I was really hoping for. But, <laughs> you know, that aside, um, I mean, it was. It was really, it was great to see them all kind of come together. You also saw in, a little bit more in that battle, if you paid attention, the way that they were feeling the Spider-Sense. Once again, it also drew back to the comics where like when his spider sense would tingle, it would have the little lines. So <laughs> the fact that it was drawing those lines through the, the multiverse and that kind of determined like that's how the spidey sense actually kind of works is because it's actually pulling it through these these webs that are invisible to anybody but the Spider-Man. Um, I thought that was really kind of a nice touch. And it, just to watch them kind of like go from like where they all kind of had their own kind of way a little bit trying to figure out, like, all right, what's this Spider-Man? What's this Spider-Man? Um, but the way they all kind of came together to, one, like you said, protect um, Tom Holland's Spider-Man from having to deal with the guilt of stabbing Green Goblin. Because, let's face it, sorry, my light just magically decided it hated me. Um, from deciding all of a sudden that... Um, you know, hey, we need to protect him from that. That's that's a big ask. And so because of that, um, you know, it, it made it seem a little bit more cohesive than than you originally thought. There we go. We're happy again. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I thought the action sequences were worth it. It's really what people were looking for. But I do have to agree. I do think that people, after two years of a global pandemic and everything else that we've seen, you know, we've seen civil unrest. We've seen unprecedented wildfires and natural disasters. People needed a little bit of a feel good. Cat, we've seen dudes that haven't gotten laid in years, man. They're hurting. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, it's a rough environment out there, man. Like, you know, but, you know, if you read the New York Health New York Health Department's guidelines, um, they are recommending that the glory hole come make a comeback. Uh-oh. So. Well, look, I, I yeah, am, look willing, I am look willing to, I am willing to support some type of socialized um pussy sharing where mm -hmm. I will mm -hmm. I will spread out some of the some of what you don't I get. Do that based on your own merit like a good yes. capitalist. Yes, uh... I I will pass off some of what I beat up to like some of the unfortunate dudes and give them a little something here and there. We'll Sir, this is there. not handmaiden's tale. We are not to, we are not cattle yet. <laughs> but no, I mean I do even though I mean I I I'm not a huge fan of the Tom Holland Spider-Man. I mean, I think he's great, but like I said, I would love to see Peter Parker actually graduate. And I, I think I'd rather see more of the Spider-Man I grew up with from more like the animated series where he's already that adult. He's kind of found his way in the world to a certain extent. 
Um, so maybe we'll start to get that. Um, you know, maybe he needed to go to this kind of level here where it got a little bit dark um, to get to where he needs to be. So, I mean, I didn't hate it, but it was it was a traditional Marvel ending. Um, even though I hadn't seen too many spoilers because, you know, I'm too lazy to go find them or look for them. And I work a lot. Like, you know, real life XP, it's a thing. Um, <laughs> I, I still just kind of felt the ending was just kind of that, like, Marvel, let's give them some action to forget, make them forget they have feelings. Mm. Okay. You know. I honestly think this was the push that Sony was trying to do to get basically Peter to that adult status. I really think that the, how the ending is is what they were trying to, you know, basically get him to, from that child stage that we got from him in Homecoming through Far, far From Home to where he's actually like in the adult to almost that same stage as what you're talking about in the animated series. I think that's mm -hmm. what they're doing. Because if you think about it, because they blipped, he's still five years older than what he was supposed to be when we first met him. So he's technically a, you know, an adult. So just because he didn't actually, you know, experience everything for five years, he's not mentally at that. But I think that that's what the ending to this man he needed to become. And that's what I feel that's what the end was for this film. And why we got that traditional Spider-Man uniform at the very end. So how about you, Jermaine? What were your final thoughts, sir, on that battle sequence? In that just the whole end section of the film. So in attempting not to re repeat what everyone else has said, because I agree with what everyone had has said so far. Um, I'm going to say this. <clears throat> and seeing that, like, all of that towards the end, it made me doubly appreciate Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man. He is so talented. The self-deprecating humor that he had, like, you, you could tell, like, yes, he was talking about, like, him as Spider-Man, but he was really talking about uh, Andrew Garfield as, you know, the person playing Spider-Man. You know, he was like, I, I feel like I don't belong with you all. <laughs> and then Tobey Maguire was our Spider-Man too, was like, nah, nah, you do, you do, you do. And it, just the, the back and forth that he had, like he, he is so naturally funny. He's naturally funny. And I don't know why they didn't do more with his, you know, I'm not into it the way that you all are, but I, he was my favorite. He was my favorite Spider-Man. I think it's because everybody wants every superhero to want to be that superhero. Um, you know, let's face it, like, have we all dreamed of having a superpower? Oh, yeah. Like, I've, I've dreamed of having millions of superpowers. Do I also understand that, like, having all that responsibility would get a little bit old? Yeah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like y'all save yourselves. Like I'm going to need y'all to quit falling off buildings <laughs> and getting robbed at the ATM. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to need you to make sure you're, you're keeping a lookout and yeah, don't please. Be out your cash. Um, I'm going to need, need you to stop trying to pick fights with the local gang members. Um, Oh, and by the way, put your dogs on leashes so they aren't running out in front of cars. Um, you know, <laughs> So I think that's maybe where, like you mentioned, Garfield's Spider-Man for a lot of people was a little bit more relatable because 
it was cool and all, but then it was like, once you kind of start to realize like, wow, wait a minute, I don't really want this. Like, this is too much. That's too much to ask of one person. And um, of all of the Spider-Men who troll Garfield trolls the hardest and the best, Tiny Knives. He's like, I'm not, <laughs> you know, like he's the cockiest, trolliest Spider-Man of them all. And that's why I love all three of them. But that's that particularly stands out with Garfield. Uh-huh. Definitely, definitely, definitely. I mean, in that final sequence, too, I mean, like we got so much information going on you know of course basically leads to the you know the post credit scene that we get with dr strange and wanda so let's talk about that for a minute so we have basically goes through the credits and we get you know we get two kind of post credit scenes we get the first one which was kind of it, it was like oh okay i i get that one but that wanda and dr strange one i think is the best one because it was basically almost like a mini trailer into dr strange and the multiverse of madness so what were your guys' thoughts when you saw that? Were you expecting it? Did you hear things about it? Or were you like utterly sh- you know, shocked? Or, and basically, what were your thoughts? Like, did you enjoy it? Did you, do you see a lot of potential for that film? And how do you feel about, like, do you think that film needs to be a higher, uh, you know, <laughs> building up towards this film versus this one? So... Pretty much, you know, in a nutshell, kind of just your opinion on that. Uh, starting with you, Lord Deathman. Oh, man, that was the first moment I was probably genuinely surprised in the whole film. And I did not expect them to do as much as they did. That was like a full-on trailer for Doctor Strange, you know, in the Multiverse of Madness. So, you know, that got my pulse racing. I was like, wow, I'm really here for this Olsen, Cumberbatch chemistry. I so want to see Doctor Strange and the Scarlet Witch get together and collaborate um, in this what sounds like a, it's going to be a bananas movie. I, I still have high hopes for this film. What the, the, the only misgivings or trepidations I might have had about that is that I really do hope they turn down the volume on nostalgia with Doctor Strange because we got a heaping plate of that out of No Way Home. So I'm hoping we don't lean on that too much, but let's get weird. Let's get trippy. Let's um let's see magic out of the deepest, darkest recesses and corners of the MCU. And I do want to take just a second to backtrack on another issue that re- that this reminds me of. Everyone has always been critical of the first two Holland films for being for him being sort of like Iron Man Jr. or you know really being second fiddle to some other senior character. And then somehow No Way Home feels like, oh, this is my traditional Spider-Man. He's, he's a standalone Spider-Man. But I feel like Doctor Strange played just as big a part in, in the mentoring of Peter Parker as Tony Stark would have in those first films. So not really sure where, where you know, everyone feels like things are, are, are right in the world or universe again. But if the first two films were Iron Man Jr., you could easily say that No Way Home kind of featured Doctor Strange Jr., um, even though they they end up at cross purposes at multiple points in the film. Very true. Very true. Good. Good. Great idea and good points there, Lord Deathman. I, I would agree there. I think that was some good knowledge there. Uh, how about you, Cat? I'm ready to see more mysticism in the MCU. Um, we've yeah, kind of focused on the superpower element. We focused on the technology element. Let's bring in the mystics. 
you know, that was a big part of it at one point. You know, let's make this happen. Um, you saw a little bit of it in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. They started to touch on it a few, um, for a few seasons. Now, of course, would I hope that at some point that would also lead into bringing in more characters like Ghost Rider? Yeah, because he's a personal favorite. Um, but once you start getting into some of that mysticism, you can bring in the Darkhold stories. You can bring in some of these other arcs. And I mean, here's the thing. Every, every movie studio right now is trying to cash in on the superhero on superheroes right now. They really are plain and simple. Um, and guess what? Here's how you do it. You build these stories, but then you start expanding on those lines. So maybe bringing, you know, Wanda and strange in so that we can start getting into some more of the mysticism is going to open up those doors. So I was kind of excited for it just from that perspective. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. I mean, that's what I feel kind of what Shang-Chi is too, is to bring in that mysticism more. So we'll be getting more of that, I feel, in the near future. I think that's what really Phase 5 and 6 are probably going to be really focused on. Uh, how about you, Jermaine? So I, I don't – so okay, so when I, when I saw it, it wasn't that much of a surprise for me. I, I don't know how I knew that that was going to happen but I knew that it was going to happen. Just getting the information in and of itself was, you know, it was like, oh, okay, all right, all right. Um, so I, I hate to be like a Debbie Downer at the end, <laughs> but it wasn't it wasn't that much of a of a surprise for me, and it doesn't it didn't really like give me a whole lot. Um, but as always, it made me excited for the next movie. Awesome, awesome. So Jeff. Your final thoughts on the final part of, uh, of Spider-Man and your thoughts on the post credit scene of Doctor Strange and Wanda, sir. And then we'll be ending the show. Well, honestly, I would rather actually get into the, um, the end credit scene with uh, Doctor Strange and Wanda, to tell you the truth. Because, again, um, uh, I don't want to say that the entire third of Spider-Man No Way Home was, like, not good or whatever, but... It was very, um, like, uh, predictable. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, I did enjoy the whole, like, Tobey Maguire, you know, J you know uh, uh, Garfield, you know, um, uh, Tom Holland deal and everything. It was cool. I felt like they overdid some of the cheese factor with it a little bit. Like, some of the stupid humor was a little bit whatever with me. Um, but it was cool as hell to see Andrew Garfield again. It really was. He looks the same as he did, like, 10 years ago. You know what I'm saying? Um, Who wants to tell Jeff that's what we were talking about? <laughs> what's, that, what's that, cat? That, that was exactly the question, was how you felt about that second trailer with Wanda and Doctor Strange. Oh, shit, my bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think that Jermaine's buzz is starting to rub off on me a little bit. but um, no, It's I'm all right. Saying. I got you, bro. I got you. No, no, you know what? Yeah. I, mean, I mean, listen, um, the way I'm built um, – visually and like cognitively uh when it comes to like really quick stuff like really quick teaser trailers and stuff and like trailers that are really like fast paced and those end credit scenes so much stuff goes on in such a quick period of time it's it's hard to really you know decipher it uh entirely you know what i mean um i feel like uh i feel like there's a lot more going on and going to be going on with 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 um with Wanda 
um, you know, where she's at right now and everything like that and whatnot. Um, I don't know if she's as innocent and like as much of an ally to Doctor Strange as like it came off in that in that scene. I don't I don't know if that's really what the case is. Um, and I think that um, she could be the villain of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, and that might be the good th- that might be a good thing. It might work, um, you know. And I'll tell you. It makes me wonder what happens to her next. Like, okay, so she's in Doctor Strange too, right? Um, until we get the next Avengers team, what do they do with Wanda? Like, where does the Scarlet Witch go? Like, where do they where do they put her in to like keep her connected to the MCU? You, you know, I Jeff, I think everyone, every MCU fan, every Marvel fan is just waiting for Wanda to break the universe. That that's all they want. <laughs> no more fill in the blank. <laughs> That's where she goes next. Total chaos and destruction. <laughs> Pretty much. I, Pretty much. I love I love the zombie Wanda from the, the what if zombies, man. That was awesome. The the zombie Scarlet Witch, that was dope. Uh but um no, um I mean overall uh the the, some of the visual aspects of the final battle scene were really impressive and whatnot, but I, um, if I had to uh, rate Spider-Man three on a one through ten, off the cuff, I'd give it a seven, a solid seven, but it's not a ten, and um, you know. Uh, I'm in, I'm very excited to see what's going to happen next with Tom Holland and with like with Peter Parker. I am. I'm really excited to see what's going to happen next. Um, you know, and um, uh, basically, um, I you know I just want to mention that I again am extremely humbled and like extremely thankful and blessed to have such wonderful people on our show to do this review tonight. I mean, really, guys, you all you all deserve a pat on the back, like all of you, because at the end of the day, um, like, uh, you know, we make good content and um, I don't give a shit what anybody else thinks about it. They can try to grind with us all they want, um, you know, but you got you guys have been great and uh, you're all good friends of mine. And, um, you know, thank you for uh, tolerating uh, my uh, my ex my ex centuries or whatever, however you pronounce it. Eccentricities. There you go. I appreciate <laughs> you. Doing that, man. Thank you, Jeffrey. Thank you. Why do I always want to put that word to the bare necessity song? That's okay, Lord you, you, you can correct me on 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 my um, on my words, and I'll go ahead and step in for you when you need me to handle your business with a lady or whatever. You okay. know what I'm saying? I, I'll be look, man. You you know you're the only one who could sub in for me. Oh shit, Lord Deathman. That that that, <laughs> that I appreciate that, brother. I do, and you know what? That is the, that is definitely a mutual thing, brother. I hope I hope you know. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, I would. Uh, I would add you to the socialized, um, like busting it open program. <laughs> God, oh God. You know what I'm saying? To make sure that, like, you know, because it's not fair. You know what I'm saying? Like, some dudes are getting pussy, and other dudes aren't. And, and other dudes are. You know yeah. what? One of these days, we're going to take this too far, Jeff. One of these days. <laughs>
No, 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 I don't think so. <laughs> you already took it. Nah, listen, at the end of the day. Jeff takes uh, it every day. Nah, hey, I got every cyber here. Day. I got cyber here. Every day. So I, cyber keeps me legit. Cyber keeps uh, do, me safe. Do I? Do I? Yeah. Really, cyber Jeff? keeps me do safe I? more than that, man. He's like my, uh, he's like Conscience. my. Conscience. Uh, yes. <laughs> I just I, I got him around to keep me like up like above board just so I don't end up like in prison. True, true. You know what he's I mean? Very, he's very prison like, and he want to do fair in prison. I don't think. I think he'd be a bitch. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> On that note, as cyber filling in for two packs of smokes and a Snickers bar. Yep. I can tell you right now, <laughs> if I decided to start giving head, I'd be better at it than women. Oh my. <laughs> Uh, I, I sense the closing of the show. With the yes, <laughs> yes, the closing of the show here right now. All right, so I want to thank I'd everyone. Like, I'd be like, what's up, cat? Check out my skills. <laughs> <laughs> and you can now check out Jeff on his OnlyFans page. Yes. That's right. I already, I've already mentioned that we're planning on connecting the MCU's Bleeding Edge with an OnlyFans page. <laughs> we're going to be the first MCU content creation team. With an OnlyFans. I can't. This is too much. Actually, probably not, because OnlyFans originally started with a bunch of D&D content. That was where they got their start, and then people started learning, like, wait a minute. These nerds are making money. We're going to have the Sinister Six, Cap, but it's going to be six <laughs> different chicks of different, like, uh, varieties, and I'm going to slam all of them in one shot. It's going to be awesome. Sinister Six, baby. <laughs> God. What do you think, that man? One might be a little more sinister than you think if um they, they uh, transition. I'll tell you um, what, I'd be spread pretty thin at that point, brother. All right, we, we've got to stop this. I want to give a shout out to whoever it was in the comments that mentioned Brother Voodoo. That would be awesome yeah. action for a second or third Doctor Strange film. Um, of course, you know, we, we might have to make a name change or go with the whole uh Jericho drum. Daniel Drum type yeah. situation. That was that was Tex Not Dead that mentioned that. So thank you very much, Tex. Uh, we appreciate you in the comics, uh, comments, comics, mm-hmm. comments, and we also appreciated uh, Herbert earlier too in the comments. Thank you very much uh, for popping on by and asking. So we are going to be closing out the show now, guys. Thank you for all the out there in the streaming land that watched, or those who end up watching it afterwards. Want to thank our amazing panel, of course. Thank you, Kate, for coming on. Thank you, Jermaine, and thank you, Lord. Deathman, and of course, Grandmaster too as well. I want to thank Jeff, of course, as well as being the co-host too. But of course, uh, before we close out, we want to just let any of the amazing panel uh, shout out any of their content they like to talk about. And uh, go ahead and starting with you, Kat. All right. So you can always check um, my articles out at Geek News Now. I also am part of the Geek Gauntlet podcast on Saturday nights is when they go live. Um, in addition, you can also find me um, on YouTube at Shield Maiden's Creative Creations, as well as on TikTok as Shield Maiden SATX. Awesome, awesome. Thank you. How about you, Jermaine? Anything you'd like to plug, sir? Yeah, Trekkers Delight. So Trekkers Delight is all about Star Trek. Um, you can find us on basically any type of social media um, platform you're thinking about, from Twitch, Instagram, um, Twitter, um, Facebook, whatever. Um, we're out there. We're live every Thursday night at 8.30 p.m. Central. Um, so check us out. 
Um, and if you're interested in, in coming on the show, just hit me up. Um, you could also look for Jermaine Watson on Facebook. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, definitely, people. Check out Jermaine's show. I've heard lots of good things about it, people. And Mr. Lord Deathman, was there anything you like to plug, sir? Yes. Uh, the champions would uh, – they would never let me hear the end of it if I did not plug the podcast of champions on YouTube where we discuss all things fandom. Uh, we've got a lot of great content coming up into 2022. We're off and running, starting with um, the Book of Boba Fett. So check us out. We release content. Well, we record content every Saturday, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And it usually uh, gets on the on the tube uh, 24 to 48 hours uh, after that. So thanks for having me on the show, by the way, Cyber and Jeff. Of course, Lord Deathman. We always enjoy your hellness on this show, sir. You are a fantastic guest, and we just always appreciate you coming up from the depths of hell to talk to us. So we, we want to thank you for coming on, sir. And, of course, you can also find the podcast champion by going to uh, freeforms.net, Sakar as well, which is a great, amazing platform where you can talk about anything you want. Uh, you know, you could talk anything from Deadpool to Lord of the Rings to, you know, Matrix Resurrections. I mean, it's a great forum that's free that you can go on and talk about anything. So definitely check that out too, people. And of course, me and Jeff would like to thank everyone out there on the amazing land. Thank you for checking out the MCU's Bleeding Edge. Uh, you can always find us on other social media platforms too as well. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook. Uh, if you want to look at our solo content, you can find him under True Knowledge. You can find me under Cybernetic Shark on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, all those kind of cool stuff. So definitely check that out too if you like. And <laughs> this is the MCU's Bleeding Edge, and we are out. Corey.